Hello everyone, this is You've Got 5 Options, a radio show where we prove that 5 is a magic number. Our experts will give you 5 tips on how to make your private or professional life better. We will solve your life challenge by giving you 5 different options to choose from. And our guests will answer five exciting questions while life on air. Tune in and feel the magic of five. Everyone, this is Marta. And this is Anna. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, I'm confused, Dennis. Dennis is our wonderful technician and he waved a finger at me after Marta started to talk. Yes. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, we are not worried. Okay, so, yes. Uh, hello, everyone. This is Anna. And this is Marta, in case you have not heard that uh, yes, before. Yes, and we just did it reverse. Wow, I'm, I'm really proud of us. So, welcome to You've Got Five Options. And I have to say that it's a little bit weird today because we are also recording this radio show for TV which means that A, we don't have our headsets. And this is really strange for me because I cannot hear myself. And I have a feeling that we are not on air. We are on air. You are on air. We are on air. Okay, so that's number one. And uh, number two, we have to be quite conscious about, you know, what we do here. So for instance, like I, I dressed myself today. Today I'm not in pyjama. You know, I actually have clothes on and some makeup because, you know, we are also on TV. So I, I would like to say welcome to everyone who's watching. Yes. Hello, everyone who's watching and listening and, and listen. whatever you're doing right now. But you can hear or see us. We have a very special show today. Yes, I know that we are saying all the time that we have special show and we all the time say that we have special guests. But today I am super excited because uh, we have never had a guest with such an interesting professional career and story. Because today in the studio we have, and now I really hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Gisela. Okay, Gisela, darling, please help me. Gisela Ga Gassitua. Gasitua. Gasitua. Yes. Uh, so we have Gisela Gasitua, who is a polar explorer. Can I call you like this? Polar researcher, polar explorer? Yeah, I would say polar, polar researcher. Researcher. Okay. Well, explorer sounds very cool, but, yeah. <laughs> but you were exploring as well, right? Yeah, part of uh, research uh, is the exploration. Yeah. Yes, so we, we have you here in a studio and in a moment we will ask you a lot of questions because we want to know everything about you. But before we will start, I would like to say that um, Gisela is here because you sent us, of course, the, the application via our website. So whoever would like to be a guest on our show have to just visit the5options.com and five as a number. And there is an application. Was it easy to fill in the application? Uh, yes, I, the, the application was last year, right? Because yes, yeah. yes. I think so, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you... I you wasn't uh, very 
convinced about the five options because I think I am unable to give five options for anything. That's people. not a problem. <laughs> we we don't ask you to. We will just ask you five questions instead because that's also what we do. But there was one sentence in your application that was definitely something that caught my eye and I think Marta's eye as well. At least I hope so. Marta, you will tell us in a moment. And that was because, Gisela, you were exploring uh, Antarctica and any other polar extreme places. You were making career in a in a research, uh, in a field of research that is quite unusual, difficult, demanding, challenging, but probably very rewarding. And then you have moved in here to Denmark and you are experiencing a completely different life when you don't do the things you used to do. And you have wrote here that um, I'm constantly struggling to let go the independence, freedom and strength I used to have while I've reached a flat, comfortable life. And that was something that really triggered my uh, thinking because um, I was thinking, where is the balance in life? You know, uh, where is the balance between having a comfortable life, peaceful life, let's say, less eventful life and having a challenge, uh, a reward, an exploration, something that is maybe more, um, I would even say dangerous. Can I call it like this? So that was something that was uh, that made me think a lot. And I was thinking a lot about it. And that's why we also have decided to invite you today to the studio. Marta, is there anything I said that makes any sense for you at all? Absolutely no sense whatsoever. Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> now, our dear Marta today uh, just revealed before the show that she's quite tired. So... Yeah, but we are now live uh, on the radio and we are being recorded by the camera. So I did uh, manage to awaken. Awaken your spirit. Yes. Okay, that's that's wonderful. But uh, now you know why you are here. And um, so, Gisela, I would actually like to ask you a very first question that we usually ask our guests, especially guests who have quite unusual careers. Who did you want to be when you were a kid? Did you want to be a polar researcher or? I wanted to be a man. <laughs> you wanted? To... No. Really? Yeah, seriously. When I was a, a, a kid. Um, yeah. It's not that I, I, I don't like men. Uh, I do like men. And <laughs> uh, uh, for I, everyone who's watching. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I, I remember that uh, I wanted to be a boy. Okay. And I wanted to be a boy because my mom was very traditional and uh, she expected me to be a, a very lady person. Okay. And my I have a bigger brother. He's mm -hmm. three years older. And he had many more benefits than I did, like okay. going out and playing football, getting dirty and stuff like that, that I wished to do too. But mm -hmm. I had to help my mom in the house and things like that. Okay. And uh, from from the early childhood, I think I started to to wish to do things that I was not supposed to do. Okay. By my mom, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't I didn't grow up thinking I want to be an explorer or a researcher. I think that came naturally, and things um, flew smooth and in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
That is um, first time I, I hear an answer like this. <laughs> I have to say, usually we hear something about a dream of a professional I wanted to be, I don't know. Uh, uh, I wanted to help uh, animals or, or children or be psychologist or something. But uh, in your case, it wasn't maybe more about a profession, but more about a, a lifestyle and opportunities that a certain gender gives you at that time because you are from Chile, right? Yeah. So this is, is this was this more like a conservative or traditional um, culture back back when you were a kid? I will say so. But I think um, despite of what people can think is not that different to what I can see in Europe. Mm -hmm. Girls and boys have a bigger big differences here in Denmark, too. Yeah. Pink is for girls, blue is for boys and mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's the same. In Chile, it's the same. Okay. It's not the... I think we have... There is more... People are more chauvinistic, seriously, there. But mm -hmm. but it's not a great difference. Um, it's not a great difference. No, okay. I think... It, That's well spread over the world. That's a super interesting statement, I would say, because, you know, uh, especially Western European countries take pride in enabling uh, some sort of like we are all the same and, you know, tabula rasa and gender is a cultural construct. But uh, you are right. We still have a quite traditional division, you know, blue is for boys, pink is for girls, dolls are for girls and and uh, I don't know, cars and trucks are for boys. However, I see more and more of these initiatives, you know, where uh, we are trying to, for instance, encourage little girls or bigger girls or teenage girls to go into science or yeah, to research yeah, or technology. Yeah, and I think this has been, uh, this has improved with the mm -hmm. time. Maybe when I was a child, uh, there was not so many initiatives mm -hmm. like this. And, but nowadays there are, mm -hmm. and it's good. Yeah, I think it's nice that we all can have a chance. I'm sorry that I will make this remark, but I can hear a very strange singing coming from our uh, from from the wall. W what is this, Dennis? Uh, it's a Vietnamese radio show. You can hear. It's a Vietnamese, ra but is it uh, an actual uh, music uh, that is playing or is our wonderful host there singing? Because it sounds like it's a it's a live performance. The latter. <laughs> no. Okay. So, yes. Uh, if um, can you hear it, Gisela? Yeah, I yes, okay. So if our um, wonderful listeners in a radio or someone on TV can hear this uh, little uh, voice that sounds like we just locked a child in a closet and don't want to let that kid out. This is not true. We just have a Vietnamese show and Vietnamese performance um, uh, next next door. So that's why. Thank you, Anna, because I was already like, what's going on here? Yeah. Is someone playing a trick on us? Yes. Is Dennis hiding a child somewhere in a closet? It so. really is like, it really was like, I was thinking, okay, so is there a torture chamber somewhere here? Well, no, this is, and you know, it's this, it's a different type of a sound because you know it's a wall so uh, it sounds like it sounds i wonder if 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 they can hear us on the other side usually we are told that if we can hear something the microphone can also <laughs> hear that so oh yes <laughs> oh yes oh my god yes actually dennis our technician which i think 
for people who sit uh, on a TV, I'm afraid that you cannot see him. He actually is wearing headset. So if you could hear it from the headset, it means you hear it from the microphone pickup. Okay, well, thank you for this wonderful background, Julian, <laughs> because I know that this is Julian and we will continue with the rest of the interview. So... <laughs> Coming back, uh, getting out of children and any topic children related, let's go back to the moment where actually you uh, became a polar researcher. So actually, I guess you chose a type of an education and and uh, or was it accidental that you actually uh, went into the field that I guess it's male dominated? Mm, yeah, um, I think both. It was a bit accidental because I... I studied uh, electronic engineering, okay. and this is male, super male dominated mm -hmm. everywhere, not only in Chile. That's true. And uh, later on, I discovered that I wouldn't like to work as an electronic engineer because the work of an electronic engineer was quite boring. Uh, usually, uh, telecommunication companies and mm -hmm. network designing and well, it doesn't sound super... Um, no. Uh, we are uh, very sorry and apologize to all electronic engineers in the world. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like the most exciting thing you can do. No, it wasn't for me at least. Mm -hmm. uh, but in my hometown, there was a, a research institute. I knew that they were doing uh, natural sciences. Mm -hmm. And I went to ask if they wanted me as an apprentice. Mm -hmm. And there was one laboratory for uh, something called glaciology. Glaciology, okay. Mm -hmm. Which is the science that studies uh, glaciers and ice. Mm -hmm. And uh, they accepted me because they were using some technologies that needed uh, people like engineers. Mm -hmm. And so they were using radars. Mm -hmm. And um, I started there. And then I had some short internship, and then I became a research assistant with them. Okay. And during this period, I learned um, a lot about glaciers and ice, and I learned their methodologies, their equipment, and their data processing. So, and that's how I. How I, you got in? Yeah. But I, I still, I still have to ask you. You, you talk about radars and glaciers and some technical things. Uh, what was the thing that really grabbed your heart, if we talk about this? Because it's, it still sounds quite technical and not so exciting. Mm, yeah, but yeah, we used, uh, we used equipment uh, mm -hmm. called radars yeah. to look through the ice. Okay. So then we... Um, we use these equipments to, to see what's going on below the surface. Okay, so it's not like, because I actually also wanted to ask, what is this science or research all about? Are you looking into the eyes? Uh, and this are question coming from person who has no idea. So you have to explain it like to, like to a kid or to a grandma. So uh, are you looking for things in the eyes or below the eyes? Or, 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 or what is it exactly? Both, Both. Uh, because uh, radars use electromagnetic waves mm -hmm. and ice is uh, transparent to electromagnetic waves. Okay. So what we get is like a picture of the inner part of the ice. 
And okay. then we can see what's going on in the eyes mm -hmm. and to the bottom. Okay. And for doing that, you need to put these equipments in the eyes. Mm -hmm. And that's the most exciting part because you need to go to these places. And to do it physically. Yeah, and, and you need to see them and be there. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got hooked up with it. <laughs> okay, so, uh, well, I would just like to say for the record that I don't really know much about Antarctica, so I'm just trying to imagine how it looked like. And my only information is coming from movies and from, I, I actually asked you because before we <laughs> started to record the show, have you seen The Thing by John Carpenter Marta? Have you seen? Nope. Nope. It's a, actually a classic one of the best horror movies, in my opinion, okay. of all time. Uh, Dennis, have you seen The Thing by John Carpenter? I have. Is it a good movie? Yes. It's a fantastic movie, and it's a movie about polar researchers, American polar researchers who are in a base, and they actually digged out something from the ice that they were not supposed to dig out. I will not spoil the movie for all of you who haven't seen it. Uh, the movie is fantastic, but uh, uh, when I hear about digging in ice, I get uh, shivers down my spine. So uh, <laughs> just a question. Have you ever found something really weird in the ice? I had to ask. Mm, yeah, it depends what how you define weird. because <laughs> Something that you would not expect to find. Maybe that would be the better phrasing. Yeah, no, I think from that per perspective, it, it's quite boring what we find. We just okay. find holes or water or changes mm -hmm. in temperature or rocks or uh, okay. crevasses. And Any aliens? <laughs> Not yet. No. Not yet? No. Okay, I had to ask because... But, but you can find uh, dead bodies with, uh, uh, with the radars. Really? Yeah, you, yeah, you can find anything that. Uh, but of a of a modern people of or, or people that were previously occupying those areas when the climate was more welcoming, the radar will don't will not discriminate uh, if they were if they are modern or. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually like the way you said that the radar will not age discriminate the person. <laughs> no, well. You, uh, it has been used, for example, when there are accidents and mm -hmm. to find the bodies. And okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is how it can be used. Okay. So far, so good. I uh, am wondering, Marta, what goes through your mind? Just to check no, out. I'm just I'm just listening because I know nothing about ice. I know nothing about Antarctica. So I'm just purely listening because that's completely new uh, knowledge to me. So I would say that we are, Marta, in the same shoes. It's just that I am asking the question, so I look like the, like the uh, dummy one. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> no, but I, I, f I find it totally fascinating because I cannot even, you know, phantom uh, an adventure, adventure or exploration like this. You know, when you are in, a, in this place that is, in my head, so super hostile and uh, definitely not something for humans. And I will actually have uh, uh, plenty of questions about Antarctica itself. I will probably ask you again if you have found aliens and you just cannot say, and you can just wink to me and say, yes, we found aliens, but that will come later. Uh, but uh, the thing that I actually wanted to uh, ask you at the end of this blog is, 
I could imagine that it's not that many women that are doing this type of job or uh, actually going on an actual research into Antarctica or any other remote cold places. Am I correct? You are correct. We okay. are minority. Okay. And uh, pl please tell me, how did you find yourself in this male-dominated field and what helped you actually? Uh, to because I think for some women it could be discouraging after some time to compete with a lot of men and probably also feel like they don't belong. I will just tell you that in that horror movie that I recommend for everyone to watch, there was not even one woman at the research ah, station. Okay. There were, I think, 15 or 16 men with different professions. There were researchers, but there was also a doctor and there was also a pilot. Of course, you have to have a kind of a mix of people. Not even a one woman was there. So that's why that's I'm pretty realistic, I think. Okay, so uh, how, how did you find yourself there and what kept you in that place? Uh, well, Antarctica has been one of one of the experiences I, mm -hmm. I've had. So um, when we say I am a polar explorer, it's uh, partly true because uh, I have been uh, several times in Antarctica, but it's not that I spent a year, let's of say. Of course. The longest was a month or so. Mm -hmm. But for preparations, then you spend quite a lot of time. Mm -hmm. um, and how I found myself into this field is, um, as a woman, you always carry a lot of um, stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And this is quite tiring. Yeah. There's not really competition when you know that what you that you have the knowledge and you are competitive. Mm -hmm. But you always have these uh, stereotypes and stigmatizations and mm -hmm. and that's very annoying. I could imagine that. How did you cope with that? Mm, I think I just um, I had this attitude that I, I al which is not right, but I had the attitude that I always had to show that I could do things by myself. Okay. Uh, because if you look at me, I, I am a small, I am tiny person. I, I would say you don't strike me as a, yeah, as a huge person. That's you. true. No, <laughs> no. I was actually, when you came in, I was a, a little bit like taken aback because I was expecting a taller person, yeah. you know, and you are uh, indeed tiny, v very cute in a very cute way. But, but, uh, but being I, I, tiny helps a lot. Yes, because then you carry less weight. Mm -hmm, that's you, true. You you carry your your own weight. Yes. I mean, but then it doesn't help in that in the sense that you have to carry the same weight for your gear, for example. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And in that, I might not be that strong, yeah, as a okay. man, let's say. But I always um, managed to, like, I didn't need help, and if I needed, I. Shut up. I didn't say it. <laughs> OK, so you you took this very independent approach. Yeah, I think it's the only way to get respect. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, otherwise you fall into this stereotype that they always have to help women mm -hmm. um, and they become more uh, another weight on their shoulders. Okay. Shoulder, mm -hmm. That that's actually a very interesting uh, observation, I think, because normally, um, I think it's normally it's okay to ask for help, 
but I guess in this uh, in these conditions when you are in the environment that is uh, primarily dominated by male researchers that could be potentially seen as a weakness or used as a weakness against you, if I'm understanding this correctly. Yeah, I mean, I ask help if I really need it, um, mm -hmm. but I first try to do it myself. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, I never gave more weight to carry to others than the one that I was carrying. Okay. That's an interesting way of putting it. Hmm? I don't know. <laughs> no, it, it is. It is because it's it's something that uh, uh, I guess it really depends on the environment. And I could easily understand why you were using this approach. But do you think I, th I guess it also allow you to grow and, and learn how to, you know, do things by yourself? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm hmm. Marta, what do you think about this? Well, I am thinking a lot because... Uh, I can see that. That's yeah. why I ask you. I, I can recognize your thinking face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I am a coach who is very interested in topics of motivation and very much interested in mm -hmm. how teams operate. And I am thinking right now, I am into that research of when people support each other and help each other, they can achieve more rather than when they are, you know, individually mm -hmm. trying to strive against some um, some things. So I was just thinking if uh, how that would be, if it would be OK for a man to ask for help and because he's man, it, it's going to be easier received mm -hmm. than when it was a woman and so mm -hmm. on. And I was just thinking, you know, like, could it be more beneficial to the entire team if people could uh, contribute with what they are best at rather than everyone has to carry the same weight despite the fact they are tiny or, you know. So I was just considering these kind of things. Wouldn't it be actually, mm -hmm. uh, couldn't the team grow if they were supporting each other more rather yeah. than everyone is trying to be self-sufficient and very individualistic? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And I have to say, and I, I will actually ask you if you think it's true, but I believe that what we see many times, I know it. I'm coming back a lot to movies, okay? But I have never been in conditions like this, and I don't know anyone who has worked in a field like this as a woman. But if you see stereotyp stereotypically movies where there is a male-dominated environment, Surprisingly, most of them are action or horror movies, okay? So it's not only the thing, it's also alien when we have a cruise ship, you know, of, of, uh, of uh, people, you know, going into space and there are two, two women or one woman uh, and so on. And there is always this kind of stigma, you can see it, you know, that the women are being mocked or uh, being shown as they are over emotional or you know this or that so basically it, it is even in our culture pop culture i would say but what marta said is actually a very uh, i would say benefit it it sounds way more beneficial uh, for the team if if everyone can actually you know uh, focus on the strengths and weaknesses and be able to complement each other with help right but this does happen when mm -hmm. you, when you go to these extreme places. You need to work very much as a team. Mm -hmm. I just what I wanted to say is that I just I didn't try to make my woman's condition uh, mm -hmm. worse than it was already. Okay. Let's say. 
in but you sense. really need to work as a team mm -hmm. and uh, you really need to trust in each other so you also need to trust that the others are going to help you if you have a problem so i also try to make them trust uh, that i am able to help them mm -hmm. if they if they fell for example or if if there is a problem okay do you think that that usually could be uh, at the beginning a problem for men to trust a woman in a conditions like this yeah and this is this is because of these stereotypes and uh, mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah that I we have i could imagine that actually. like if you are let's say that you are in an expedition let's say you go to norway or whatever yeah and as a tourist and you have uh, four men and two women do you think they are going to trust that you will carry them if they break a leg in the middle of a mm -hmm. glacier yeah probably they will if they are norwegians because <laughs> they are more equal but normally there is less uh, confidence in yeah in women's strength yeah if you put it this way then i i know what you mean definitely uh but i guess it's getting better because you also have wrote I would have not enjoyed being born a hundred years ago. Uh, so I <laughs> yes. guess you could, we could all definitely see that there is a there is an improvement. Yeah, yeah and definitely. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you do you see an improvement from the moment when you started your uh, career in the field uh, until, let's say, recently? Do you see that things are improving for women in research? I see more women motivated and more women uh, doing stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, meaning that, so th they are showing also that it's possible. Mm -hmm. uh, but in such a short period, maybe there is not big change in terms of uh, the perception in general. Mm -hmm. But hundred years ago, of course, if you look back, we have progressed a lot. Yeah. And, uh, it's a slow progress, but we have progressed a lot. Mm -hmm. hundred years ago, I had no chance to do what I've done today. Yeah, that's true. And um, yeah, but I also wrote that the, in science, for example, the, the um, success or the progresses are more individualistic because it's not that women are organized or I think it's just very recently that women have started to become organized to to do things together and to to demonstrate that they that that they are um, united let's say okay that's an interesting take but you are right 100 years ago we wouldn't have this radio not only because no. there was probably no radio stations of that kind but we um, okay then you know something i don't know the actual history of the radio and the first you know kind of a small not controlled uh, by government although this is actually controlled by government i think or not supported <clears throat> Not controlled. Supported, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, not the public, you know, radio stations of, of a kind. But uh, I think women uh, were not able to actually, for instance, have a radio show 100 years ago. I would not see that really happening. No. That you can confirm. Maybe yeah. no I one so. will listen. <laughs> exactly. I think no one would really listen. That's sad. So we definitely can see a change. There was something interesting you said about women getting united. 
I think that I can see that as well. And uh, I, I'm actually wondering what has changed, why why women are getting, you know, united to, I wouldn't say maybe fight for their rights, but maybe support each other better. But it's definitely a trend I can see, um, not only in science, but in general. Marta, I think Marta agrees with me. Yeah, I mean, that has already been happening starting uh, half a century ago, right? That, that, yeah. That's where, or even more than half mm -hmm. a century ago, where women started to, like, let's fight for our rights. We are also humans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. But now we will skip to Antarctica because, of course, I'm very interested. And uh, that is, of course, because of those all those horror movies I watched as a kid. God bless me. I don't know how I turned up to be a normal person. I'm a normal person. Right? Nope. No. Okay. Declined. Motion declined. <laughs> okay. Well, but uh, here we go. <laughs> here we are here. So first of all, I would like to ask you what extreme places and by extreme, I would say something with uh, a possibility to die if you are not careful, if you are not dressed properly, for instance, what extreme places in your career have you explored? So we know there was Antarctica. What would you also say had the same level of danger? Uh, I have been in Greenland as well, mm -hmm. and um, I have. I think there are very extreme places in Chile as well. At the south, right? Uh, at the south, but we have a big cordillera, mm -hmm. uh, a mountain range, the Andes. Yes, and that is uh, very high at some point. And uh, okay. we have also worked in glaciers there in the high Andes, mm -hmm. and there are some uh, quite extreme places there. Um, okay. And in the south, we have uh, two big uh, ice fields, the largest um, that are not in Antarctica or Greenland um, in the world. And they have also, there are unreachable places and mm -hmm. hard, to, hard to get there. So I think, yeah, you can feel your life is... Um, Threatened when threatened yeah. when you were there. Yeah. Okay. I ha I will have a question that will not surprise you, although maybe it will surprise you. There was this movie about a plane that crashed. Ah, yeah. uh, In uh, and Andes, right? Was it uh, in Chile? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Marta. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? No. I think it's called Alive. I think so. Yeah, it is actually a movie based on a real um, on a real uh, events. It was a plane with a rugby team or some sports team that crashed in the mountains in Chile, and I don't know how much the rescue mission. I don't know if I don't even know. I don't remember now because I watched it once as a kid. And I remember I was too way too affected because I think they were trapped there for weeks and they actually had to eat the bodies of people who died. So there was a case of cannibalism there and uh, it, it, it was a, it, it's a based on true story movie. So we are talking about that kind of places that when you go there you might actually be forced to <laughs> to eat to some, eat, some to eat, to yeah. eat another human <laughs> to survive because there is basically no vegetation. No, no, and uh, it, there, those are remote places as well. Mm -hmm. It's not yes. only that uh, it can be cold and high, and uh, but it's just remote and uh, all kind of um, emergency rescue. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's quite hard. 
Okay. And that's what happened in, in that case. It was in the 70s and mm -hmm. they were from Uruguay. Ah, uh, they were from Uruguay. Uh, it, they were very young, most of them. Mm -hmm. But some of them survived thanks to the, to this um, thing. A act of cannibalism, yeah. Mm -hmm. We have to just be... Uh, well, I think it's, it's a matter of, you know... It, mm, and it was not weeks, it was months. It was months. Yeah. Okay, so it was months, yeah. And I remember that in that movie there was a person who refused to to actually eat another because we are not talking about, you know, some ritualistic killing of people. Those actually were people who died at the crash or died after the crash. So they were not murdered by the rest. But one person just couldn't, um, you know, cross this taboo. And I know that the, the, he starved or she, I don't know if it was a woman or man, starved to death because refused to to actually eat the, the, the body of another human. Uh, very interesting things, because we actually have those questions now for uh, most of our guests. You know, what kind of skills uh, you, with your experience, uh, could use in times of apocalypse? And for me, that kind of condition when you are... Because, you know, when we talk about apocalypse... Of course, we can see those, you know, like a biblical images. But what we are uh, meaning by this are some conditions that are very difficult for a human being when you don't have a luxury of technology or uh, a luxury of, uh, you know, having food served to you or a shop and so on. So that kind of very basic times where you have to rely on your own and your skills to survive. So what would you say? What... What skills have you obtained to survive that kind of conditions while doing your job? Um, you mean... What, uh, what skills a polar researcher would use, could use, or could teach others in times of po uh, apocalypse? <laughs> if you take that kind of That's a person... That's a strange question. <laughs> I know it's a strange question. Most of the people that we interview find it, I think, quite interesting, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know about apocalypses. Um, is it hot? Harsh. No, we can we can take a scenario when it's really really cold. Ah. So basically, if by any chance me, Marta, and Dennis would be just transported like we are to a conditions where you were working, and you are with us, what would you teach us? What would be the skills that we would need for survival? Mm, okay, that's easier. <laughs> that's easier, I know. Um, you need several skills for being safe mm -hmm. uh, and to, um, yeah, like avoid danger, mm -hmm. avoid the problems. And Normally, when researchers go to Antarctica or to extreme places, now we have high technology to help us uh, mm -hmm. to feel safe. We are kind of well connected with satellital phones, uh, radios, and all kind of uh, telecommunication things. Uh, but you need to use this equipment, uh, otherwise mm -hmm. it doesn't help. Okay. You also need the right gear, the right clothes, the right shoes. Um, and you need to have some skills uh, in case you have an accident and you fall into a crevasse, uh, okay. which can be... In Antarctica, crevasses are massive and quite deadly. And well, what is that exactly? Cre 
crevasses. Mm -hmm. Crevasses are openings in the ice, in the okay. surface. Oh, uh, okay. Because ice is um, is flexible, mm -hmm. and it's like if you leave some sort of a mass, mm -hmm. and then it will open up when it moves. Okay. Um, and that crack is a crevasse. That doesn't really sound welcoming to me. No, it's not. <laughs> no. It's not something I would like to encounter. I agree. <laughs> it sounds quite harsh. I have a movie in my mind, but I will not talk about this. <laughs> Another movie, yeah. But, uh, but it is it's likely, but it's not uh, that it, all the people I know have survived to, to, to Antarctica, let's say. Okay. And some people I know, they, they had accidents, mm -hmm. um, but they could, they could manage. They were okay. also quite lucky. Mm -hmm. So mothers, uh, it depends on the accident. But you need, if you you need to know these uh, these uh, techniques mm -hmm. for rescuing. So you need to actually learn how to. Yeah, we received some training before. Mm -hmm. It's not really your job. Your job is to do the science. Mm -hmm. And normally we have someone that is a very expert in this field to mm -hmm. help us and to keep us um, safe. safe. But uh, you do need to know what to do with the ropes and with all the technical equipment that you get. Okay, uh, okay but uh, so uh, it, it just begs another question because what would happen if we wouldn't have that technology? What would happen if we are being taken now, you know, Marta, Dennis and I and you, we are just being taken from here to that kind of conditions and we don't have, a, maybe we have a mobile and we have this clothes, what, are we done? Yeah, you're done. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. So there is nothing we could actually uh, no, do? No, well, Antarctica, if you are thinking about Antarctica, is, is the coldest place in the world. Mm -hmm. It can be as cold as minus 80 degrees. Jesus Christ. Depending where you I are. I cannot even imagine that. No, you, you cannot. And it's a very <laughs> dry place. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you cannot survive without the right gear mm -hmm. in outside for a long period mm -hmm. and yeah you need to be prepared and okay so we are basically fried guys we are not going to antarctica like this if not we, today not today no. not now okay because i was wondering if there would be any way that we could survive it if is there any magical technique or what would have to happen we would probably have to find some kind of a shelter or something right yeah but the, but in that kind of landscape you don't have shelters um, natural shelters mm -hmm. uh, unless you do uh, igloo uh, okay but that's not but that i uh, don't think we would make it yeah. Plus, I don't think any of us know how to make igloo. Yeah, that no. will also need some training. <laughs> <laughs> and, and tools. And, and tools, tools exactly. Yeah, exactly. But going to that kind of places usually n requires very sophisticated logistics. Mm -hmm. A lot of logistics. Okay. And uh, high-calorie food. Okay. That, that actually, <laughs> in all of this sounds okay for me <laughs> that is the only positive <laughs> silver lining in this story so i like this one um but um now i have a, a very brief questions for you about antarctica and please just answer the first thing that comes to your mind so 
if you would have to use three adjectives, three words to describe Antarctica, what would they be? Mm, beauty. It's not an adjective, but beauty. Um, solitude. Mm -hmm. mm. Immense. Immense. Wow. Beauty, solitude, and immense. Okay, because I had like danger, danger, danger. Uh, beauty, solitude, that's interesting answer. Um, when you think about your um, explore, explorations, in not, not necessarily only Antarctica, but in general in those harsh conditions, uh, when you look back, do you feel love, hate, indifference um, do you love those memories do you what is your first feeling when you look back at those uh, trips between those two is definitely love okay and i think it has uh, all the conditions of love because even if there were hard moments or tough moments mm -hmm. i don't remember them okay so it's it's a love definitely yeah uh, what would you say is the hardest physically in exploring that kind of places uh, the hardest is uh, obviously the coldness uh, mm -hmm. it is cold and and you feel that you are unfit for for this humans are are not made for for, for places like that um, so you feel very vulnerable mm-hmm and dependent on 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 this uh, logistics. Yeah. I'm sorry, but this I can, <laughs> I can hear the <laughs> Vietnamese singing behind the wall, and it totally spoils the <laughs> the the suspense we have built here. But we okay, we agreed it's the cold. What would you say mentally and mo emotionally is the hardest? Is is the cold causing actually that vulnerability, or are there other things? Um. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mentally you need to be prepared for not panicking. Uh, Is it easy to panic? You can panic with uh, with things that you don't know and of you course. cannot control weather uh, mm -hmm. there. And you depend very much on weather. Everything depends on weather. Yeah. And we have been for example waiting for 10 days in a tent to be able to go out because it was too too much uh, blowing snow and you couldn't work and that okay. can be tiring after after a few days confined wow. in a small place with other four people how big was a tent um, big enough for four people one table mm -hmm. and some a lot of water yeah, it was big enough. Yeah. It was big enough, but, but I would still assume, attempt. yeah, if you are there for a week and you cannot get out, you are... You, you could get out to another tent and then okay. to sleep. Um, okay, so that was... Yeah, that doesn't sound like the most welcoming. I, so the positive thing is definitely the high-calorie food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I super, super like. Um, but uh, interesting, the panicking stuff, you know, I would definitely, I don't know why, but I always had this feeling that the emotional and, and, and physical thing that, um, not, not physical, emotional or mental thing is that kind of, as you said, this immenseness and feeling of insignificance. Yeah. And maybe that kind of a feeling that you could uh, just like be 
wiped out just like this, you know, you suddenly feel extremely vulnerable and I guess in a way a bit lonely. But that is only my imagination solely based on movies that I have seen as a kid. So that is not valid. It's just something I was I was saying. So um, we still have a little bit of a program and I was thinking to ask you about your transition from life of an explorer and polar explorer and researcher to uh, this um, rather uh, not that challenging weather-wise conditions here in Denmark. And uh, Denmark is known as, first of all, uh, one of the happiest countries in the world. And second of all, uh, is known for its comfortable standard and level of living. So I would, uh, listening to your story for the past half an hour, I would say those are very different conditions. Would you agree with me? Uh, yeah, of course. They, of course. They okay, so I, I got that right. And um, I have now five statements or five sentences or five questions that are based on some things I found on the internet because I can Google and I am wondering, um, both of you, uh, what is your opinion about it? So a uh, number one question would be, do you think Denmark truly is the happiest country in the world? Our guest goes first. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's very difficult to, to assess because how do you measure happiness, actually? Well, that's a very good How question. do you quantify it? Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe I heard that Danes, if they are asked, are you happy? They will say they are because it will does, it doesn't look good if you say I'm not happy. That's, that's interesting. That's what I heard from Danes. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I think what Denmark has is a very good quality life. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't relate completely to happiness. Mm -hmm. Happiness is more, it involves other things too. Mm -hmm. Okay, Marta, what do you think? So we've had that question before, of yes, course, uh, here in the studio. Uh, we had once a whole interview with an expat. Uh, we had this program mm -hmm. and my opinion is that there is a lot of contentment but I mm -hmm. also don't think that this is the same as happiness. So I believe that Danes are one of the most content with their system, with mm -hmm. uh, how things are going in Denmark nations. So when you talk with people asking them from many different countries how they feel about their country, are they content, you know, I think it comes across from my personal experience from talking to Danes compared to other nations that I've been talking to, that they indeed are quite content with how things work mm -hmm. relatively, but just by in, like interviews with people that I know. But I do not feel the happiness. I do perceive the contentment. I mm -hmm. do not see the happiness. I found a very interesting quote on internet by, uh, by uh, a Danish lady whose name is Pippi. I, uh, is this a PP is a still a name used in Denmark, right? PP like PP Langstrom. 
And she was Swedish. Have, mm, she was Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. I've, I've never heard it used. Super weird because apparently this is PP Groving that lives in Denmark. That's actually from Quora. And what she wrote about this happiness statement was problem with the surveys are that the definition of happy is hard. Well, what the most Scandinavians will answer is not that they are ecstatic with happiness. They answer that they are all around content and don't have any problems that make them unhappy. We are not ecstatic. We are content. So I guess that that could be this whole, um, you know, uh, understanding of this, you know, the contentment versus happiness. And I think happiness is indeed uh, very difficult to measure. But then I would go to the second question, which was also a Quora question, by the way. What would you choose? Comfort and satisfaction in averageness or challenge and hard-earned greatness? Kizala? Mm, I, I know it's, it's unfair to choose, yeah. <laughs> but... I will choose... Um, a good mixture of um, of things. Oh, trickster, she's trying to hybrid. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. But that's a good answer, Marta. What about? How well, about everyone you? would choose the hybrid, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> we are all going for it. We are trying to be as safe and satisfied and as challenged and great mm -hmm. as we can be. So, of course, a mix of those two would be amazing. But if I had to choose one. Mm -hmm. I would say for the time where I have small children, I would choose the first one. And for the time when I don't have small children, I mm -hmm. would choose the latter one. Okay, interesting. The next one, the third one, because those are the five key statements, is comfort is an enemy of motivation. True or false? Comfort is an enemy of motivation. Marta, I will take you first. So this is, again, a bit difficult to answer because, mm -hmm. of course, there is the whole thing about being in comfort zone too long. And this is where you start losing motivation. Mm -hmm. And I definitely see that. But there is another part of it where when you are in too much danger, you are more like biologically driven and you, of course, have motivation to survive. But mm -hmm. it's not a motivation for greatness. It's not a motivation. So I would say it's one of those things that is difficult to answer mm -hmm. uh, because it depends on the level <laughs> we are talking about being in and out of comfort because outside comfort zone, there is motivation, but there is also panic. Yes. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, true or false? Yes, both true and both <laughs> false. false. Marta, like always very clear with her answer. No, but I get what you mean. What do you think is a comfort is an enemy of motivation? Mm, I think it's uh, more true than false, but I agree with you. Um, but it depends motivation for what. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I think for doing uh, epic things, mm -hmm. maybe comfort is not helpful. Yeah. There is, there is a statement that comfort makes us lazy, as simple as that. If we, have a, if we are in a comfort zone or we are having a comfortable life or everything is more or less very easy for us, we are becoming lazy. We don't, need to, we don't even train the muscle that is responsible for struggling or, or something like this. Um, the next statement, or actually the question is, 
Are humans meant to achieve and explore or to seek balance and predictability? I know it's again one of those wonderful questions when you have to choose. Marta, do you do you want to start? Let's start with the guest. Let's start with the guest. <laughs> so, are humans meant to achieve and explore or seek balance and predictability? Um, some might be more uh, designed for exploring and some might go exploring um, things that are uh, intangible, like mm-hmm. the mind of the people or... True. That's also an exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but balance and uh, what was the other thing? Predictability. Predictability. Yeah, we all we all we all look for it. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the meanwhile, while meanwhile we are exploring as well. Okay. I think we are going in all directions. Interesting. Marta, what would you say? I also think that this is this situation that, of course, there are some individuals that will be very much striving for exploration and they will be very driven Mm -hmm. towards that, even to an extreme. We know these kind of people and we know people who can't manage these kind of situations and they are absolutely going for predictability and for balance. Mm -hmm. But I think that in general, we need a mixture of both to thrive. Yeah, that's uh, I I think uh, it's it's a funny thing with us humans because we cannot stand staying in a in a uncertain unpredictable conditions for too long as you said we panic one of the things is you know when you don't know when you live in constant uncertainty you panic however I always had this very idealistic view on humankind that we are a kind that is meant to explore achieve and and do those things but you know that also could be too many science fiction movies so um, you know how it is with me but uh, it's funny because we want to conquer nature achieve and explore but then again we need to do it in order to actually have predictability so uh, our wonderful technician is uh, showing us that we have two minutes to wrap it up and the last killer question and that is because it's very much related to both Denmark and also uh, the title of this show and also the comfort as such. Hygge, and I know I haven't pronounced it correctly. Hygge, is it a blessing or is it a bullshit? <laughs> no, uh, no. go first. <laughs> no one wants to. Uh, it's. I think it's more a blessing than a bullshit. It okay. might be a very overused word, though. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and maybe misused sometimes because people find everything huge, like a short shot in the train or in the bus station. Deva <laughs> huglit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I know what you mean. Marta? Yeah, I'm the same. I also think that in general as a concept, it's a great place. It's a great place Mm -hmm. to be in that kind of moment, being present and enjoying and so on. But I also feel that it has become extremely overused. Yeah, I have to say that I have found a lot of people who are recently are actually bashing Hygge. (laughs) 
uh, and that is because they think as you that it's overused that actually it's overbranded that this whole concept is nothing else than you know just being cozy under the blanket with a, with a candle and we made a big philosophy about it it's a very interesting topic that i would like to explore in the future but i think dennis just waved a hand on me which means anna you have to wrap it up so i will wrap it up and thank you very much for being here gisela i think it was a really uh, amazing to to hear this uh, whole story and you know how it is at antarctica i know that i don't want to go there uh, and i know that i have Five to seconds. so uh, everyone we have to say goodbye now bye thank you you are listening to you've got five options radio show where we hopefully convinced you that five indeed is a magic number to catch up with our previous programs apply to be our guest send us your life challenge or just to see how do we really look like visit our website the5options.com We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will come for more. That's all, folks! <laughs>